Hello, this is Laura Mignot, host of the Reset Podcast. Welcome to our latest episode. On the Reset Podcast, we always talk to people who are doing really interesting things and leading the way in unique and smart ways. And in today's episode, I can't think of anyone better to talk about this particular topic. Cassia Graham is the U.S. national lead of uh, Can Inclusive. I'll edit that out. <laughs> and, but she's also an amazing and fantastic and fearless woman who's an a two-time cancer survivor, and I am going to have an amazing conversation with you, and I, I think it's super important, and I can't wait to have this conversation with Cassia. So, Cassia, welcome. Hi, welcome. Thanks for having me. So, every time I have the show, it's really easy. I always ease people in by asking a very important first question. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same question. Um, what was your first job? Are we talking first, like, adult job or first job ever? Um, it can be first job ever, because oftentimes the first job ever, when you're like a kid that's a babysitter, or when you worked in retail, oftentimes kind of shows where your path's going to take you when you become an adult. Well, my first job was not any of those things. I did not go the usual teenage path. Um, I worked for the New York City Transit Authority. Huh? Yes, they have, there's something called summer youth employment, so that's what I did. Uh-huh. So there is, I, I did enough, like, uh, freelance babysitting <laughs> with my little cousins, but yes, my first job was working um, at the Transit Authority, and I got to learn about a lot of the inner workings of the system. Um, so yeah, so that gave me a greater understanding for the reasons why trains are running late and why it costs so much. And why nothing ever seems to get done, although they do things and take our money. <laughs> and 20 years later, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed, <laughs> except we pay more. Uh, we're probably twice as frustrated, so I guess that that has changed also. But my first job out of college, I worked for a dot-com, cobalt.com. So before there was Facebook, before there was MySpace, even Friendster, totally dating myself. We won't, we won't, we won't, no, one will, no one here does math, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, there was Bolt.com, and it was really amazing to work there. Had a really uh, great folks that I worked with. Lots of these people have gone on to do some amazing things. Um, VPs at Sony, Nickelodeon, um, Best Company. They, they've just done everything. And one person, <laughs> I guess he's kind of one of my favorite because um, his name is George Weld, and he has a restaurant called Egg, and I love going there. It's in Williamsburg. Nice. And I get to go go there often, so I guess he's just got a plug. Uh Uh-huh. We'll we'll throw it in the show notes. (laughs) He makes makes some really great food. Um, But yeah, so that was my first, like, real deal. Job, job. Job, job. Job, job. And so what do you do now? What do I do now? What do I not do now? I was going to say, like, you're Jamaican, you have 7,000 jobs like I do. Yes. So primarily social media strategy, but I also do events. Um, and I've produced lots of different types of events. I've also produced different types of entertainment. So I used to <laughs> be a producer for a children's literature YouTube show, and, and that was really cool. We had some really great names in Kidlet come on. So I had the opportunity to meet people who were my idols, either as kids. Ooh, or... ooh tell me who. Like Elmo? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. Elmo doesn't write books. <laughs> He's on the cover of books, but he doesn't write them. Shameful. Um... Oh, jeez. Like, I'm like, why am I blanking on the names? Because there were some people that I was really excited about. Um, he does Dot Day, but I'm like blanking on his name. Um, 
a follow-up. <laughs> They'll be in the show notes. I'm like, I'm and like, you'll, you'll tweet back at me once I post this episode anyway and be like, I forgot these ones. So it's yes. um, But, I mean, people who are kind of newer to the Catholic game, there's a woman named Tara Lazar who has an amazing story. She used to be a figure skater, and then, um, unfortunately, she developed a disease which deteriorated her bones. Um and so now she's a children's book author and she's just been writing amazing book after book after book and really caught her stride. So she's definitely a really inspirational person on that scene. Oh, wow. And then um, Betsy Bird, she's a librarian, a youth services librarian. I think she primarily does like YA stuff. And Holy Catholic, she is a fountain of knowledge. And she's also cool as shit. So <laughs> it was really nice meeting her. And, and then again, like lots of other. Um, Peter Reynolds is who I was having trouble remembering. He does, he wrote the book The Dot, and from there on, he just did all these other amazing things that were like centered around like kindness and love. Um, awesome. Great books. Yes. Yeah. All of these will be in the show, the show notes. So, social media strategist, event lady, producer of amazing content. Yeah. But then I also know that you are a cancer survivor. So I think... Two times. Two times. It would be really great, you know, for our audience to sort of hear your story and how that affected you in business and such. Because I, as I said to you repeatedly, I'm consistently in awe of you. Because where you get your strength from, I have no idea. I have no idea either. (laughs) I wish I could bottle it and And sell it. You'd make millions. (laughs) Billions, because, yeah, um, I already knew that I was resilient, but I did not know just how much I could be um, after cancer, back-to-back, and stem cell transplant. So, uh, as, as a, it's funny, because I would always see these cancer commercials where they're like, this person has you know, metastatic breast cancer, and she's still living her life, and it's like this white lady who's like running around, and like she's hugging her husband, and everything's great, she looks fine, and I was just like, that's not what I looked like when I was sick. Um, That's advertising. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So they're making cancer look like flowers, and all this happiness and support, and some of that is there, but for the most part, being a freelancer... Um, with cancer is didn't mean to run. It's really difficult because you have to look at your healthcare aspect, um, the opportunities you'll have to receive physical assistance from your friends, family, and then work your clients. When do you tell your clients? Um, what do you do about your work when things are getting really rough for you? In the first instance of being sick, I didn't even know what was happening with me, so I didn't say anything to my clients. Also, I was still doing the work, so, you know, it's like, if you're, the work is still getting done... Work's getting done. Cool. It should not be a problem, and also just the issue of disclosure, because unfortunately, sometimes people get very shy about contractors who are sick, because, I mean, it makes sense it's business, so they're thinking about themselves and not so much thinking about you. But again, if the work's getting done, it really shouldn't be an issue. So I'd be at the point where I'd be uh, on a gurney, getting ready to be wheeled in to like have something done to me, and I'd have my phone and I'd be like working away on my phone. How? What? 
Yeah. Girl. Yeah. It's America. I mean, that's capitalism for you, you know? In order for me to get bills paid, that meant that I had to work. So even while you're full-on chemo? Yes. Yes, there were many times when I, I would go to chemo with my backpack, laptop, phone, banging whatever out that I could uh, the first time. And the first time, it's funny, was the roughest time because that's when the tumor was five inches and they were working on shrinking it down. It was in my chest. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't eat properly. There were so many things that were happening, but it's also like work had to get done because the bills had to get paid. And how did you originally get diagnosed? Like, what was it? Did they figure out what was it? A bunch of different systems, or did, did or did, no one knew? That's also how I. I already knew the U.S. medical system was a mess. This is true. But when you're in the throes of it, ooh, it's like being in a garbage bin. Uh, kind of a clean garbage bin, though. Still a bit. It it took them two weeks to kind of figure something out. They gave me the wrong type of biopsy to begin with. I won't say the hospital's name, but I, if I have to go there, I kind of like freak out because just remembering what happened. But anyway, they gave me the wrong biopsy, which means they only got a tiny speck of what they needed, and then somehow they lost it. They sent me home, but there was a doctor there, and unfortunately a lot of policies is being played at hospitals. He gave me a call to check up on me, and he was like, oh, you know, how are you doing, where are you? I was like, I'm home. He said, no, you need to go to this other hospital right now. And this is what you tell them when you get there. And this is who you're going to see. And that doctor saved my life. Because had I tried to stay home any longer, the same issue I had two weeks before when I entered the hospital, I was still having. So I could not breathe. And every time I laid down, it felt as if there was an elephant on my chest because there was a five-inch tumor in my chest. Which is what we finally realized it was after getting all of the proper things done was that it was in fact cancerous. I remember um, when I initially went to the first hospital, there was a resident who was like, oh, it's probably just the ball of hair that's been growing in your chest since you were a kid. And she was ball like, of hair? What the? It does happen <laughs> because I have friends who have had that. But, you know, I, the problem was I could not breathe and this thing was in there obstructing everything, pressing on my trachea and pressing on my esophagus. Anyway. Uh, flash forward, finally being diagnosed, not knowing how to tell my client, because there's always this worry that all of a sudden they're going to pull the plug on whatever it is that you're doing, even if you are competent enough to do those things. So it, it took some time, and then eventually I snuck away and said, yeah, <laughs> I'm in the hospital. And initially the client was just like, you know, really like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to you. And everything was fine, and so I continued working from home, and there were some other folks that I was able to get to go on set or to do social on set. However, when I finally returned to work, things became different. I had to wear a mask because of the risk of infection from other folks, and a lot of people are really worried seeing someone walking down the street wearing a mask. Especially in New York. Because yes. you're like, what's wrong with you? Let me go across the street. Yes. Well, yeah. if you're in Chinatown and you see an older lady, you're like, oh, she just doesn't want to breathe in like this crap air. 
But if you are in, but if you're a black woman in Midtown, they're like, "What's going on? Yeah, exactly. should we all be worried?" It's like, is she patient zero? No, I'm trying to keep your germs away from me. Exactly. When I got back to work, my client kind of took on a different tone, and it was not a good one. I was still doing the things that I had to do and was doing them well. But something about me being there was, I don't know, kind of disturbing. And I think it was, they, they didn't verbalize it to me, but maybe they thought I was like somehow taking some of the attention off of what was happening, although everyone was still doing their things. But people are weird about right. cancer. They don't know how to deal with it. Yes. And they should really try. They should put on their empathy hats, you know, or read some of the books that we have. Read. Um, but yeah. So it gets a little difficult because some people can be really great about it and then other people are not. And so that's why it makes disclosure difficult. But when you are in a hospital for a prolonged period of time, people eventually ask where you are. When you all of a sudden show up and you're wearing a hat (laughs) and your hair looks different, people will ask what's happening to you. You know, and... I don't think that anyone should hide that they have cancer. I get the reasons a lot of people would, though. Same way that lots of people hide that they're pregnant or that they're having, you know, a particular thing done because employers, clients, sometimes they don't act the best way when it comes to um, illnesses. And I really wish that more folks had empathy um, all across the board, family, friends, coworkers, employers, have some empathy for the people you're working with who have chronic illnesses. It's not their fault. If they could make it go away, they absolutely would. You know, and you can also learn lessons from them. Lessons in making things work. Lessons in resilience. Lessons in, you know, sticking it out. But you should also be open to telling those people, hey, maybe you should chill out for like, a week or two. Are you getting enough rest? What can I do to help you help me do this job better? Things like that. And so for you, so you get cancer the first time mm-hmm. and then you get into remission the first after the first time. And how long and so how long in that period of time you got diagnosed to the time that you were in remission for the first time? Um it was just a matter of months. They were like, okay, everything's great. The, you know, the tumor is gone. Um, because I was in the hospital for about a month and a half total. Because I, I got maybe a couple of days break at one point. Um, and, and that was a trip. <laughs> First of all, I was the best in the ward as far as my art went. Obviously. The world needs to know that. <laughs> Cassie is amazing, is, is like the Martha Stewart of all things crafts that are beautiful. So you'll have to see some of her work. Um, yeah, just a matter of months. They said everything was great. And I was like, you know, really psyched, but I was still tired. And my hair was growing back. Um, grew back my huge afro. I was really excited about that. And then I started feeling pain in my chest maybe just eight months after that. And it was very distinct pain, very sharp. And I knew something was wrong immediately. I knew that it wasn't just, you know, something random. Went back, um, had a couple of tests run, and 
they were like, okay, we see something, we're not entirely sure, before we do anything, come back in about two months and then we'll look at it again. Um, I couldn't wait the two months because I ended up getting this immensely sharp pain in my chest. I thought I was having a heart attack. So it was like in my chest and in my arm. And so maybe a couple days after that, I went to the doctor's office. They set me up for a biopsy and lo and behold, my friend was back. I did give it a name the first time, Roy the second. Yeah, so it was back and I was upset, I was frustrated. I thought things were going to be better, so I was very upset hearing that I was in remission and then just months later, it was quite the opposite. And also the type of cancer I had was, is not the kind that should revisit you. Right, right. So that was, uh, that was really painful to hear. And you're still freelancing. Yes, so still freelancing throughout all of that. And how do you navigate healthcare at that neck of the woods? Like, I can't even imagine. I will tell you that there were some times where I got bills or I got notices saying that they were not paying for particular procedures. And I don't know about you, but I don't just have, you know, $50,000 sitting around. I don't. Because <laughs> medication alone... For the treatments that I was getting, sometimes a quick trip in, it was in like five figures. You know, chemo is not cheap, antibody treatments are not cheap. And when you see how much they initially cost versus what ends up being tacked on. So one particular drug that I was taking before it was mixed with saline or whatever about... I think $400 for the vial, but then after the mixing and then the nurses and then the PAs and everything else, it was like, I don't know, $10,000. Yeah, so oh my actually God. put up. So now imagine going there once a week and you do the math, you know. So that was really expensive. And then your insurance company saying, oh, well, we don't think we're going to pay for this. Or it wasn't coded correctly, don't send that bill to me. Send it back to the people who coded and have them fix it. But at the end of the day, a hospital wants to make money and they don't care who they get their money from. They're getting their money from someone. So lots of appealing, uh, both on my side and on the side of the doctors. There were some drugs that I needed to get that the insurance company you know, didn't want to pay for, especially when I was getting my stem cell transplant. The doctor said that I should have this one particular drug and the insurance company was like, no. So there was a workaround and the administrator for the stem cell transplant program, she hooked me up <laughs> just to make things a bit easier on me. And that way I was able to collect all of my cells in one day versus two days. In order to collect your cells, if you have crappy veins, which I do, and if you don't have a power cord, which I don't, you have to have what's called a Shiley catheter put into your neck. And it's basically like a straw. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so they, that's how they extract uh, the plasma and the cells so that they can um, use that for your stem cell transplant. 
and you can only get a stem cell transplant if you don't have cancer in your bones, so as long as it's not in your blood. And or something else. And it has to be post chemo. So when I went to get my stem cell transplant, how many hours of chemo was it? A couple of days worth of chemo, a couple hours a day, which is still working. Yes. And I was also helping my cousin plan her wedding. <laughs> Because, and do you think when you're doing all that work and you're going through everything that you are going through, is that sort of helping you sort of center at the least? Yes, yes. That's, and the nurses even commented on that because there are lots of other people who were there for transplants and since they weren't doing anything else, they became disoriented, they didn't know what day it was. So at least by, you know, waking up, turning on the computer, doing whatever kind of work, or like hopping on social, I was able to stay current and stay aware. So that's immensely helpful. And yeah, it was it was really a struggle, but as I said before, when you're freelancing and when you're taking care of yourself, you don't have a partner or necessarily have the kind of familial ties that you wish that you did have, you have got to take care of yourself. You've got to do the absolute best to keep yourself in the game, you know? So one thing people have to understand is while I was freelancing, especially the first time, I didn't really have much control over it. If I fell asleep, I just fell asleep because chemo sucks the life out of you. Then you are on a battery of drugs that also just drain you. So when you're out, you're out. At one point, my little cousin told me she wasn't coming to visit me anymore because I just would just be rude and fall asleep. Well, he's not going to worry, right? Yes. You're like, no, I'm sick. I'm rude. <laughs> <laughs> like. um, but what I did learn with those two bouts and then with this transplant is self-care is paramount. You absolutely, positively must make time to take care of yourself. Which could also be difficult because as I said, you are lacking energy and it's just weird where sometimes I'd, I'd have not only physical energy, but mental energy. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't know where that came from, but our bodies, just as humans, it's fight or flight and I was just there fighting. And it's almost as if my body just, my body and my brain took over. And I felt that like I was somewhere else and they were just driving and it was almost like autopilot. You know, there's something like I, you know, there's a thing about where it's like you're, you're, you know, your mind tells your body what to do. And like, you know, it's in its like basis form, like when I walked in those hot coals with, with Tony Robbins, it's like when you see the hot coals in front of you, like, there's no way I can walk on that because if I do, it's going to burn my feet. But then I'm like, but if you put your mind in this sort of like state where it's like, okay, I just got to make this happen no matter what, then it's like, I can walk across this because I'm not even going to feel it. And it sounds like similarly, like you just sort of, put your mind in a way like I'm just going to make this happen no matter what yeah I don't want to use like the term disassociate but there were times when things happened and I was just like whoa I'm happy that got done but I didn't feel as if I was present for it and you know 
And, it's a, and you just take yourself away from that. Yeah. So now, okay, you've gone through this. You've had, okay, great. You know, we mentioned for the second time. Yay. Uh, and then how do, you, how do you sort of get back to normal? Like as a freelancer where it's like, okay, is there ever a normal again for you? I mean, as a freelancer, there is never really a normal. And then after this, it made me realize that freelancing is great and I love it but I also need to start working on some of my own things. And that's something that I've been lacking, you know, in the past five years, because again, the goal was to make sure that bills were paid and that I, you know, somehow stayed alive. So I wasn't able to do those things that I really wanted to do, like those things I was really passionate about. So so now you're tapping into some of your passions, which I know about a few. Yes, definitely definitely doing that um I'll probably be working on some personal projects in addition to the work that I do with Canaclusive where I'm their national project lead um I do work and events and I absolutely love it full, full disclosures <laughs> Cassia sometimes works for for DF and does a fantastic job she apparently did a really good job of impersonating me recently at an event in Denver that someone thought she was me and I was like best compliment I can hear uh, so she's a fantastic events diva as well and also getting back to art I went to LaGuardia High School also known as the fame school fame I wanna live forever that's our school song <laughs> <laughs> yes so you actually got me to sing on this show which I've never done before <laughs> <laughs> yes um, so getting back to art which is a huge passion and also she's some writing. And hopefully this year I will finally launch Madarin Sight. Yes. Because since I was sick, like that no longer became a priority. It was just surviving and also continuing to work and then getting back to more work after that. And another thing is just more self-care. Prior to getting sick those two times... It was almost impossible for me to go out and get a massage or for me to do my nails, um, even a face mask. So now I have a, like a little bucket of face masks in my refrigerator. <laughs> I put, and your skin is fabulous, by the way. Thank you. Black cracks never. <laughs> but, you know, whenever I'm feeling down and I'm like, okay, this face mask is 15 minutes. If I'm brushing my teeth, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, I can put a face mask on. Um, sometimes I will be just freaking out and everything's going out in one direction, reminding myself to stop, breathe, center myself, take that time to myself, you know. And, you know, it, it, I, find, I find like I have more and more friends who are going through either cancer or some sort of chronic illness that just sort of or takes them out of commission. What is, what's been the, some of the things that you would sort of say as, as advice for folks once they started to come out on the other side? Patience with yourself. Sometimes I don't have any for myself. I'm going to be 100% honest. But it's really important for you to have patience for yourself, especially based on the duration of your illness or, again, if it's a chronic illness, that's all you, you know, being a patient with yourself is not going to help you get anywhere. It's not going to make you feel any better. Saying yes and no 
it's very old that saying yes to the things that serve you, saying no to the things that don't. You do not have to go to every single event. No, you don't. You, know, you don't have to open every letter you receive. Um, finding your people and sticking with them. And also telling people what you need and what you don't need. Being honest with folks, because I think folks yes. are always like, well, well how, how, what can I send you? Should I send you a heart message on Facebook, or do mm-hmm. you want me to send you some chicken soup? Yes, send me the chicken soup. Yes. <laughs> it's, I'm trying to think of what else. Your cash app number is. <laughs> <laughs> My cash app is. Um, but, but no, actually... People would hit me up sometimes and be like, what's your cash app? Like, you know, can I send you a gift certificate to whatever food delivery service? And then those things are definitely helpful. And so, you know, you as a freelancer, self-care, getting back to yourself, having patience, you know, now that you, you come out through the other side two times... Are there things that you would, you know, you wish you knew, you wish you knew when you when this first happened that you now know, that would have sort of steeled you for what you were going to go through. I would the first time around that client, I would have fired that client. I did eventually fire her. As one of those, yeah. Um, because I went through a lot there, I would have fired them immediately because that would have given me the opportunity to rest versus working straight through. And it would have been a struggle, definitely, but from a physical standpoint, I would have had the energy, both physical and mental, that I needed. I'm still playing catch-up, but you can't catch up to energy and sleep yeah. that you lost. It's, it's, it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, exactly. it's just, put that wear way back there. It's not coming back. Yeah, so since you're not going to get that back, you have to think about what working with a particular client does for you. Of course, paying bills, and I'm going to continue saying it because, you know, hella important, but your body and mind are also important, and if you don't have that all set, when you're trying to move on, you will be screwed. If I didn't have some sort of patience for myself, I would be in even more pain now. And that's one thing is post-cancer, post-chemo, radiation, surgeries, because I've had them all, you will be tired, you will be fatigued in every which way. Some people are lucky and it'll pass, you know, after a year or two. But for others, you can deal with this your entire life. And I'm still getting checkups. I'm still getting my port flushed. I have two to three more years of having this little like little nugget in my chest. It looks like a little chicken nugget. Um, <laughs> Super sized or a little bit? <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's a tiny one. Tiny, tiny nugget with like a straw running through it. <laughs> you know, so long after people are in remission, you need to remember that they're not done. And it's going to take them years or even decades. And unfortunately, some people... Recently, a friend's mother passed from cancer. Um, other acquaintances have had um, friends and relatives pass. 
I'm not super worried about it coming back because realistically it could, but I'd rather that it not. So don't think that someone's battle with cancer is over because oftentimes it's not. Because when we know that they're still in a level of recovering and doing, trying to do all the things that they did before, sometimes more, sometimes less. I've taken on less clients since the last um, battle with cancer because I'm not going to run myself ragged. You can't. Like, well, that's the thing. It's like, what, what does that do for you? It's like yeah. there's bills to be paid, but if you're not going to be able to be able to function, what's the point? Yeah. So people should definitely take that into account is don't look at someone and think that because, oh, your hair's growing back, that means you're a-okay. Exactly. Oh, you're not, in, you're not getting chemo anymore, you're good. No. People are still recovering, and that involves a multitude of things. Um, changing their diet. Well, my diet wasn't what contributed to what happened to me, but, you know, that's an important part is people tend to look at their diets, diets differently, your sleep patterns Differently. I'm still struggling with sleep because I'm an insomniac and I was diagnosed as one when I was 13. I'm X amount of years old now. <laughs> 25. Yeah, 25. Remember, um, black cracks never. <laughs> and I'm still struggling with sleep, but that's really important, you know. So, um, like, now I'm more mindful of sleep and I've been microdosing with CBD and you know, exploring, like, other alternatives to help me get to sleep, you know, besides meditation and so on. Because sometimes, like, yes, meditation is wonderful and it works. Other times, you need, like, a little helper. You need you need some sort of something to help you take it over the next level. Yes. And so, question for you. So, I know there's been a lot of talk about using CBD and, and cannabis products to help people who have chronic illnesses or who are either suffering with cancer or recovering from cancer. What do you think about this? Since you, this is an area of business that you actually work in for real. I think it's incredibly vital that we look at alternatives to opioids. When I was hospitalized, that's all that I got were opioids. I'm surprised I didn't leave with an addiction. Um, but one thing about opioids is the stuff that I was getting was pretty heavy, so it would hit me immediately, but it would only last for maybe 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes if I was really lucky. And after that, you're back to the pain, but you cannot get that medication again until like six to eight hours after. So you're in all of this pain. You're like, they're like, supper. Yes. Sometimes they may have something else that they can give you in the interim, but you have to wait two hours. Because they just knocked you out with such heavy-duty pain medication. So when I got home, a friend of mine um, came over and gave me a CBD pen, and that was extremely helpful because it helped with the pain that I was having and also relaxed me. And she also came over with a bunch of my favorite noodles, which I could finally eat then because... Prior to that, I had something called mucositis, where basically anything that was either hot in temperature or spicy made it feel like my mouth was on fire, and I had to use a lot of cane rinse to calm and numb the area, basically numb my whole mouth. Oh my gosh. It's one of the side effects of chemo. 
Uh-oh. Do you know, lots of side effects. It's not just losing your hair. Although I had the best Brazilian ever in my entire life. <laughs> I say it's for free, but it really it's a couple hundred thousand dollars Brazilian. <laughs> yeah, it's that, it wasn't that much for free, but, yeah. but you know, you can say it's, 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 it's a great Brazilian. It's like that may have been like the only perk. It was like, yeah, a Brazilian you know, perk. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, you save on uh, pads and, and waxes. Yeah, so she came over and she bought that for me and just a bunch of goodies from one of my favorite, well, one of our favorite Japanese snack stores. So that was really great. And then another friend in California, she um, sent me a tincture and I started using that and that was really great. And now I am lucky enough to have some relationships with different CBD companies so I can try their items out. And it's, it's been really great. There's some that have been like, oh, okay, but I've used a few like Rosebud and Elio and Papa and Barkley and they're really good. I think one of my favorite, my favorite tincture is probably Rosebud so far. We'll put all this in the show notes. Yes. Wait, what's legal in New York? No, CBD is okay. legal in all 50 states. So these are all CBD products, so yes, you can put them yes. all so that we can definitely put this in the show notes. Yeah, all CBD, pro- CBD products. Uh, as far as topical goes, LEO, that's, I used that on my knee when I hurt myself in Denver. I, I don't even know how that happened, but that I'm really happy that I decided to bring that along because it definitely helped. Um, yeah. And, and also, I just, like, play around with it because, like, yeah, okay, one's a topical, one's a tincture. I'm like, okay, well, let's see what this does for my face. Let's see what this does for my hair. You know, CBD is, especially when you get full-spectrum CBD, it's amazing. It has so many different uses. So, although, if you want to absorb it a certain way or you're trying to, like, target a certain area, it's much better to have, like, an individual item for each. So, if I need a full-body experience, I'm going to go ahead and take a couple of droplets of rosebud. If I have pain in a very specific area, I'm gonna use LEO CBD salve. So like my knee, my back, you know, shoulders. You just like rub it right in there. Awesome. Yeah. So last question for you, Cassia. Um, now that you're on your uh, road to you know all things fabulousness and working in the CBD. What's next for you? That's an interesting question. <laughs> um, just the things that I cited prior in getting back to the art that I love to make, working on some passion projects that combine both art and cannabis. And I'm not so certain about going back to a full-time desk desk job. I really enjoy freelancing. It gives me the opportunity to, you know, see what's out there, just get an expansive knowledge of different industries. So whether it's cannabis, tech, beauty, you know, I love it all. And, and that's like one of the great things about freelancing. I was, <laughs> I was built for this. You were built for this. <laughs> yes. so, in more ways than none. Well, Cassia, 
I can't thank you enough for doing this. I know it wasn't the easiest in the world, but I know that there are people listening who are going through similar things, and your strength and your courage um, is going to help. It's, it's going to help so many other people, and so I thank you so much for doing this. And so all the really awesome things that we talked about in terms of great CBD products and um, all the really awesome things that uh, Cassie is working on will be on today's show notes. And thank you all for listening to the Reset Podcast. Thanks so much.